This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Blue, White and Yellow podcast. It's only a duo this week. Beren has left us. JD left me last week, and I'm, I'm really struggling with this neglect, to be quite honest with you. I'm going to start doing these on my own. JD, how are you doing, mate? You okay? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. Uh, I've been I've been listening in the past few weeks when I haven't been on. You, you've managed all right without me, but I'm back to, to stake a claim again. But um, yeah, I mean, results obviously haven't been I've been as good as we would have liked, but I mean, this weekend, it's a, it's a golden opportunity really, isn't it? How about yourself? How, how are you feeling ahead of this weekend? <laughs> can I say can, can I say no comment? Um, of course you can, yeah. Yeah, no, listen, uh, I've had a few days to stew on it. I'm feeling a tiny bit better, a tiny bit better. Um, but we've got a few things to uh, go out this week as well, guys. If you are just tuning in, make sure you stick around till the end because we have uh, an opposition preview with a very special Newcastle fan, uh, Lee Ryder, the Chronicle, the Chronicles writer. So make sure you uh, make sure you stick around for that one. Um, okay, best place to start. I don't want to go too far um, previous, really. I think the best place to start is uh, Liverpool. And we'll get on to Pascal, obviously, in due course. JD, um, Leeds United, uh, Leeds United nil, Liverpool three. Uh, a little bit of a lesson, uh, that one, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think it's important to stress that that was probably one of the better Liverpool performances we've seen in the past 18 months. Uh, they were, you know, that that was a, them at their title winning best when they sort of went, was it 26 or 27 games uh, unbeaten in a row uh, or winning in a row, something ridiculous like that. I mean, they they know how to play away from home. Uh, and when Leeds give you that sort of space, then Liverpool are, are the team who've got the talent to exploit it. Obviously, they've you know they've they've got the world stars in in there to to be able to do it. So um, yeah, it was disappointing to see obviously the the defeat, but I think you know the the manner in which. Um, the, the the two home games have played out now. I think Everton and Liverpool. There's still been a you know sticking to principles and trying to play football. And while there may be a few a few figures uh, who you know maybe their, their places in the team are a little bit questionable. Uh, I think for the most part, you know the the real acid test will come against teams like Newcastle this Friday and and against your, you know your Watfords, your West Ham's, those teams who are coming up in the next few weeks. So I think it's important to 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 try and remain on an even keel as, as difficult as it might be without four wins in uh, without without a win in four games uh, which coincidentally and I don't want to get anyone down with this but it is the worst start to a top flight campaign since 1959 but that the, the money the money was different then you know the, it would have been a more even contest against the likes of Liverpool so um you know that's just I'm just throwing stats into the ether there but um yeah it, it's the jury's still out, I think, on, on this season. Um, and I think we'll, we'll be seeing some wins around the corner. So ease ease up, everyone. Ease up. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to touch on with you uh, with regards to Leeds' sort of playing style at this moment in time. Towards the back end of last season, what we saw was a very defensively structured Leeds United. And and if, that, if anything, sort of Leeds adapted after the Manchester United game and, and were playing a lot more on the counter-attack. JD, why why have we suddenly sort of changed into the original 
system, um, which was us sort of going gung ho against against top sides and getting punished. It was almost like Leeds learned, didn't we? And that's been on a lot of Leeds fans' lips after the Liverpool game. It was almost we learned, you know, we drew with Chelsea at home, we drew with Liverpool at home, we, you know, we we uh, drew with all the big the, the big sides at, at home, really, and then obviously got a win over Tottenham. What? Why have we sort of reverted back to this this um, sort of strategy, really, of just going going for for teams like Liverpool, um, like we did originally? I mean, this might not be the popular opinion, but I don't think that that Bielsa ever deviated from that strategy. I think um, you know we the Man United game was what the twentieth of December or something like that last year, and then the second or third of January was that three nil result against Spurs down in London, um, and I thought that game. Leeds really tried to, to to get on the front foot, but we're just outclassed on the day. I think it's, you know, it's similarly, that was the case with the Man United game this season and, and with Liverpool as well. So I don't think he's deviated too much from that. I think there were other factors at play, uh, namely having, uh, you know, a, a settled back four in that second half of the season, which allowed the team to to maybe not, you know, have to rely on, you know, Luke Ayling pushing into to central defence, um, which he did for, for large periods. You know, there was the, 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 the bedding in process that Robin Cock had to go through as well. And then he got a knee injury. So I think with with um with last season and the the the, the shoring up defensively, I think that there was an improvement in defense, but I don't think that was specifically to do with sort of a change in style. I think the style has always sort of remained pretty constant. Um, you know, the 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 pillars or the principles of play that that Bielsa upholds have remained pretty static. Um but I just think that other other factors maybe have been a bit more uh, a bit more pressing and and or impressing being one of them. I'm sure we'll get onto that with the midfield in in, in later on in this episode. But um, yeah, it's 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 one of those where you kind of have to think about what might have gone wrong or where things have changed. But ultimately, four games is not a good enough sample size to judge uh, an entire season, a 38 game season compared to the first four games of this season. Um, I think Bielsa said that as well. He, he was asked to assess how the, the team had played in the first four games, and he said there's just there hasn't been enough time to to to, to gauge a, a real sort of meaningful conclusion from that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to side with Bielsa on this one um, and say that four games probably isn't enough to 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 you know really set out my stall and say this is where it's gone wrong or this is where it's changed, um, and. Yeah, I mean, what, what? I mean, you, you, you clearly think that there's been a little bit of a change in that. What, what have you observed that that I've that I've missed? I just feel massively sorry for Calvin Phillips at the minute. <laughs> he's gone from being part of this England setup where he's got some like Declan Rice next to him, and we know it's not the we know it's not obviously the Leeds way, but just the steady rearguard in midfield to just being completely exposed for for four games. And I, listen, I know there's not been a, a huge change in the playing style, but. I'm not sure what's going on at this this moment in time through the middle, uh, JD. Whether or not it's, it's people who aren't able to to keep up that pressing style, whether or not it's it, certain individuals look tired. Listen, we've we've seen graphics of Leeds' intense press dipping a little bit. It, it's really difficult to put your finger on, but it does seem that 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 midfield is. I don't know whether or not it's the more of the, the centre back sort of marauding into that 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 central space and and building up another man and, and congesting that middle area and exposing Leeds through that area. But I've just thought in 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 nigh on every single game this year, every team has had had an advantage in that area because it, it I don't know about how you feel, mate, but it does seem to just be Calvin Phillips against the world in there. 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it has been, you know, he's been doing the work of two men, but I think that's always been the beauty of Calvin Phillips, hasn't it? He is the he is the player who is capable of doing that that work. You know, he's capable of of carrying out the duties of of one and a half players effectively, where you know he can cover those sideways spaces, um, he can distribute really well. He, you know, he can tuck in and become a third centre half if needs be. Um, you know, he, he, him having that versatility within that that position within that role um, has obviously always been really useful. I mean. I do feel sorry for him to an extent, but I mean, this is this is bread and butter for him. You know, it's part and parcel of of, of playing for Leeds, and it was the case for for lots of games last season. You know, obviously he missed eight or nine of those in um, in the previous campaign, but there were games in which Leeds were overrun and Leeds were beaten comfortably where Calvin Phillips played. I mean, that Man United game, the six-two, he was hooked at half time, um, and you know that it's 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 not always a case of well if we don't have Calvin Phillips then you know it's going to be catastrophic often that that is the case which I will admit but um you know with him in the team it you know the side are much richer for for having him there so I wouldn't say I've got sympathy for him he's playing for his boyhood club and in in the best league in the world but yeah you know what I mean it's not sympathy yeah 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 yeah. I I do get where you're coming from yeah yeah Um, but um should, should we get on to sort of the the red card and, and the Pascal Stroke and everything like that, because obviously this morning uh, the, the appeal has been rejected, which doesn't come as a surprise, but it's 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 disappointing, really, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I mean, I, I, I'm still I still fully believe that he's the best centre back at the club. Absolutely love him. I think he's he's fabulous. I think he came on at the weekend and did all the basics really well. Obviously, he made that last minute intervention. I believe it was Salah or Mane. I can't remember which one of them. Um, but it was it was a wonderful interception, world class. And uh, I, I just I, I really rate him as a central defender. I think Bielsa's done wonders with him, and, and he sometimes goes under the radar. So I think him being a miss is going to be huge because I always rely on him coming in and, and doing that job. And I think to be honest, JD. When you take a step back, we're all probably quite surprised that Liam Cooper started over him, you know, when uh, at the weekend. And, and listen, Liam Cooper's captain, obviously, but it does seem that 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 sooner rather than later there has to be a sort of changing of the guard. But I am I am obviously massively disappointed because at this moment in time, JD, you've got sort of how you would expect it to go with Leeds United is Cooper moving into obviously Cooper remaining in his central uh, defensive position, but obviously then Luke Ayling moving over, which mm-hmm. at this moment in time, those two just in general by, by individual performances aren't, aren't performing at the, uh, at their peak level. So that would be more of my worry, but Pascal in general, he's a huge miss, isn't he? Yeah, he's definitely a miss. And I think, uh, you know him coming on for Llorente and, and maybe not having a huge warm up, but you know getting to up to the pace of the game as he did straight away against Liverpool's. You know it's a sign that he is a Premier League player now. If there was any doubt about that last season, um, I think that's you know that's that's well and truly been put to bed. I think he can still have his occasional off days, um, but they're they're more infrequent than they used to be. So um, I think yeah, he's, of course he's going to be a miss, but. It's a miss, which is going to be compounded by the fact that Llorente went off with a hamstring injury. Uh, Robin Cock is, is still, you know, it's approaching. I mean, I think it probably is a month since he last played um, due to a, a variety of, you know, selection and also that, that minor pelvic injury that he had. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's compounded by the fact that, you know, you, you have to use Ailing in that, that centre-back role. Um, apart from, you know unless you called in Charlie Cresswell, but that's not obviously not going to happen for, for obvious reasons because, um, you know, it's, it's it's a Premier League game and Bielsa, it'd be very, very rogue for Bielsa to do that, uh, especially when he has Ailing available. But um, 
yeah, I think it's safe to say that we'll we'll obviously see that on Friday night, um, Ailing and um, and Cooper at the back. I mean, I feel like they get bad rep. I feel like last season they did. I mean, this for, for large portions of the season they were the they were the centre back pairing, um, and they had to just they had to muck in and you know they had to they had to adapt to to a new league, a new a new pace, uh, a new you know lots of new game states as well. You know, in the championship. The leads were dominating games, dominating the ball. It wasn't uh, a backs against the wall type of thing. So, you know, they, they've had to adapt uh, themselves. But I, I, I still, I still think that on Friday, even with a back, uh, a centre back pairing of of Ailing and Cooper, Newcastle are there for the taking. Um, you know, regardless of of who plays in defence. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of the players, and, and you just mentioned there about Cooper and Ailing um, being being fantastic, and and they were last year. I thought Cooper got a lot of unnecessary flack last year, to be honest, where where other players would have been protected and wouldn't have been hounded like like Cooper was. I thought he was actually very good when he when he played last year. I think this year, I think um, in the Everton game, in the obviously in the Liverpool game, we've seen some, you know. <laughs> bad tendencies but you can understand that you know the top clubs obviously um you know top 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 everything really i mean when you look at everton especially how they've started this year and and as we've said jd you know we we've played some very very good opposition but um these are the games that you measure yourselves on aren't they and i think i think to be honest if if i'm if i'm being um really transparent with you mate i think it's the burnley game caught a lot of people off tilt really I think a lot of Leeds fans thought we're going to go there you know these are going to be sort of bottom five bottom six we're going to go there and we're going to steamroll them and maybe that was a little bit naive maybe it was just it was confidence in in what Leeds had produced last time out against Burnley which I can completely understand and I think that performance maybe has been generalized into into all four and it's becoming a bit of an issue if, if you sort of get what I mean. I think the the four four performances you could probably separate you can say that the Man United one was you know yeah Leeds got caught with a pants down. It was not a it was not a good performance, um, and, and Man United took advantage of that. Um, I think the the Everton game was was room for encouragement. I think uh, you know a lot of people left Ellen Road that day and thought, okay, you know what, first game of the season was a little bit of a blip. Um, you know we can we, we, you know there's been some redeeming aspects in this game here. Burnley kind of knocked the stuffing out a little bit because it was kind of as you said there. We're going into this thinking that we're going to, you know, win four nil again. It's, which is again very unlikely in the Premier League. Any four nil win is unlikely, uh, and obviously the fact that Rodrigo was so influential in that previous Burnley game to then, you know, being a, a you know, an early sub. It, it's, it, it, you know, when you polarize it like that, it, it kind of does make for for easy comparisons and and for for easy drawing of conclusions. And then I think the Liverpool game. I'd put that down mainly to the fact that Liverpool, of how good Liverpool were, um, for for the reason for that. Obviously, there were there were there were factors, uh, and Bielsa takes full blame for for why Leeds weren't able to shine, as he says. Um, but I'd, I'd say that the four games haven't really followed a, a consistent pattern, um, and unlike this weekend's opponents, which I'd say their four games have followed a pattern, which has been sort of concede lots of chances, concede lots of goals, actually the most in the division. Uh, and also not create an awful lot um, the, the, themselves, you know, not have, uh, you know, uh, any semblance of control over a game when when going ahead. I think that was the case in the West Ham game, which Newcastle played. Um, so while the, the going full circle, really, while the, the, the Pascal Stroud absence is going to be a miss, 
there's you know it, it's not like there's there's no one there to come in and, and perform capably you know Liam Cooper and, and Luke Aylin are two of the most vocal players on the pitch to have them side by side is going to be is going to provide you with a reasonable spine a reasonable um and I say reasonable because I don't think it's great I do think it's adequate though um and I think it's adequate for the for the task of of Newcastle we're going to have to touch on the midfield, JD. We're going to have to because it's a, <laughs> it's a big talking point. Right I'm, no- I'm going to get my notebook out because I tell you what, <laughs> this, is, this is a complex one. This is extremely complex. Um, you know, I could have written a lot of notes down here. Everyone in the comment, uh, in the, watching the video now, please get your comments in and we'll, we'll, we'll flash a couple up if we can. Um, okay. It, it seems like um, at this moment in time, Marcelo Bielsa is persisting with Rodrigo in central midfield. What is your stance on that, Joe? Well, you, as as you know, I, I think that Rodrigo offers something, you know, offers plenty when he's on the ball. I think he's a completely different player in that position when he doesn't have it um, because he doesn't... I don't want to go with real sweeping statements of he does or he doesn't, but sometimes it, it, it appears or it appears like he indicates that he doesn't know when to press at the right time or or who to press or you know just some some occasions where he's just a little bit switched off in his positioning and that comes from you know 10 years as playing as a as a number 10 so when you're asked to play a number 8 role against a good team like man united or liverpool and you know you're up against it a little bit your immediate reaction for 10 years has not been that center back is step, stepping out of defense someone will deal with that in my midfield now the case he is the midfield so he's the one who has to deal with that. And I think there were a few occasions on, uh, on what was it, Sunday, uh, when when Joel Matip was, was you know, just making these surging runs forward. And you kind of wanted Rodrigo to just just try and buffet him a little bit, just try and put him off. Uh, but that wasn't the case. And Patrick Bamford was often the one coming back, tracking him. And I can understand why that's the case. Bielsa's man-to-man. Matip technically is Bamford's man because he's the centre-back and the centre-forward. But... You know, there's, there's, there's the premise of passing your man over. And we've seen that. We see that all the time on the wings. You know, Jack Harrison, when, uh, for example, last season when Alioski got forward or when Junior Firpo's got forward, Jack Harrison will, you know, he'll, he'll tuck in. He'll he'll take the man if there's a quick transition and the ball is given away. It's not as though uh, an opposition winger's got, got license to just sprint down the wing and, you know, doesn't have a, a man in his path. Harrison has a good understanding of that, I think. It's the same with Click in the middle. You know, Click can can fill in in those wide areas if needs be. Um, but I think creatively, Rodrigo does offer something. But currently, the team are not playing or gelling in the way that they've controlled games in the past 12 months that, that you know, in in previous matches allows him to, 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 to shine and to be a good player. So... Does he persist with him? I, I don't know. I think the you know bringing Dan James in, the opportunity of having Rafinha through the middle, it's a possibility. But um, I, I I don't know. What what's your stance from it? Because I think you're kind of looking at, at it from a different perspective to me. What what is your? I mean, is, is your patience wearing thin with Rodrigo? Is it is it a case of you know you want you you want to give him maybe a few games against lesser opposition to see if you know he can he can do it against teams who Leeds beat last season and he played well against. Yeah, it's, it, it was summed up really, JD. I think when you brought up Joel Matip there, it's a it's a really good sort of uh, illustration of when it, it summed up really well. It's I, I I can't. There's a lot of people who are blaming Rodrigo at this moment in time, and I struggle to do that because he's been asked to do a role which is a very specialist role in a position which he's barely played in his career. So I, I can't go on the hunt for Rodrigo. But but what I can say sometimes is you know when you get in. 
Rodrigo's got two or three yards on Joel Matip several times and Matip is just gliding past him as if he's not there. That that almost feels like, you know, come on, come on now. Let's, you know, you're going to have to really work hard now. That's what, you know, everybody around you is doing. And, and sometimes I think that can be laid at his door a little bit. Maybe that's that. That's why we've seen Calvin so exposed exposed at this moment in time, JD, because that is that's something that leads to persisting with, and he just, as you've said, he doesn't seem to be getting it at this moment in time. Now, is he going to ever get it? Is my question. And if he's if he's if we're going to make that judgment call, then then what is the point in persisting with it? I don't understand. You know, obviously thirty years of age, it doesn't seem to be. How many appearances has he had now for Leeds? What twenty five plus? Is it is it ever going to change in that position? And that's that's what I worry about, to be honest, because we're exposed enough in the midfield now. You know, at the weekend, there's not a lot of people talking about Stuart Dallas's performance as well, which which really wasn't up to much. You know, every time he was in possession, he was giving it away and, and out of possession, he wasn't great anyway. So that, that didn't help Rodrigo and Calvin out as sort of a trio. So that, that needs to be taken into context as well. But when I look at someone like Click, and I think he's such an effective presser, and even someone like Jamie Shackleton in there, I, I feel like he would be a very good presser in central midfield as well. I think to myself, are the better options there? Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with Rodrigo's work rate. I think he does he does post up quite a few you know pressures per per ninety per game that whenever he's on the pitch, it's just the timing of them. It's the choosing of when to when to go to a certain man. You know, lots of teams will team this season. Teams will prepare to go up against Leeds, knowing that that the team are that Leeds are going to press them very high and very hard. It's the, that week in training before they play Leeds. Most teams will be you know working. You know the, the the defensive team in training will be working to try and overcome that. They will be, you know, they, they'll be you know pressing the, the the team in possession really hard, and they'll try and come up with ways to to maybe get around uh, a press which is just one person who's pressing at a time or one pre- person who's pressing in coordination. I think Harrison and Bamford have got it sort of really, really. You know, they've got a very good knack for it. They know that Harrison recognizes, for example, when Bamford arcs his run to go and get on the blind side of the defender. Harrison then goes and gets in front of the the, the man which is nearest to him because that then means that, okay, the, the, the centre-back who's on the ball can't pass to the, to the right-back, which Harrison's blocking off. If he then goes back the way he came, Bamford's already on his toes, so he kind of has to play an ambitious pass into the middle. It's at that point where you want Rodrigo to be in front of his man or, you know, blocking off that passing lane. Because if there's a clear pass into someone like a like a Bruno Fernandes, for example, then that's exactly, you know, you, you've you you've you've funneled that pass into them then effectively, haven't you? You've funneled it into their most creative player. But if you block that off, it it, it it's uh, I'm trying to convey it, but it's it's difficult because it is complex. And you know, it's it's about the, the analogy I like to use is the links in a chain. You know, if you've got one weak link, the chain is not going to be, you know, performing to its optimal level of of, of what its purpose is, really, is it? Um, you know, you've got you've got Rodrigo, who at the moment is he's not a weak link because he does offer a lot that other players do not. I think, in creatively and in the final third, he offers more than Matthias Click does. But at the moment, the way that Leeds are playing and the way that these games are going, I think Matthias Click offers a little bit more, um, and. When when that 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 link in that specific chain is 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 strengthened, you know the team plays with a cohesion. It plays with an understanding, um, and that's when you start seeing those moves, like the, the the Dallas goal at Stoke a few years ago, or the the goals that were scored against Newcastle at Elland Road last year. You know that is 
that is Leeds at, at, at their best. And so you are you are you are you so what you're saying there, JD, is are you believing at this moment in time that maybe Rodrigo doesn't understand where to press and when to press in this system? I think he does. I just don't think it's muscle memory yet. You know, like like the other players um, who had the benefit of getting to grips with that system with two years in the championship against lesser opposition. You know, you you get away with a lot more in the championship. You know, if if you're not blocking off that passing lane to the creative player, maybe the central defender who has nowhere else to go doesn't find it. Whereas in the Premier League, every central defender can play football. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Victor Lindelof, Tyrone Mings, or you know Jamal Lascelles or whoever. They can all play football to an extent. You know, with some maybe better than others, but every single centre half has to has to be able to do that, and they will be able to find a creative player through lines, just the way that Urente does quite a lot. Um, what I, I think, what I'm 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 you know eking around here is that I'd say on Friday, I might take Rodrigo out. I might take him out. Uh, and and put click back in because I think the way to I think controlling the game against Newcastle is the way that they might want it to go, but controlling the game for Leeds will give give Leeds the opportunity to to score early. Um to and, and as soon as you score early against Newcastle that's that's game over for them. What's your what's your take on the midfield for for this Friday then? Because I know we're looking ahead to the game, and and I think it's one where people are going into it thinking this is like the Burnley game, except we we should win this time. Yeah, with 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 Newcastle, I mean, you're not going to get a better opportunity, a better opportunity. I am. I mean, I was speaking to Lee Ryder obviously earlier on, and I mean, the gloom is is real around Newcastle. I mean, I mean, from the outside, you you know it is, but but when you speak to you know a lead journalist, <laughs> and you and you'll hear it obviously later on. But but when he's speaking like he is, you are wow. Okay, you're thinking that this is a massive opportunity for Leeds United. Yeah, the midfield. It's uh, as I said, it's such a complex puzzle. I mean, I don't know about you, JD, but I'm, I mean, I'm okay with Dallas being in there at this moment in time. But I, I still think his performances. But obviously, what we know with Dallas is he's been through. He's had personal issues, you know, where he didn't even turn up for Northern Ireland. So we 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 have no idea what's going on off the pitch with Stuart Dallas as well. And um, that's definitely got to be taken into contention. But um, overall, I think I, I really like Matthias Click in there. I think his pressing actions really aid Leeds United and, and really help us, you know, get up the field quickly as well. Obviously, like you said, there's a there's a there's a cohesion there with him and Phillips as well. But that 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 next man, I mean, I mean. To be honest, JD, what are we seeing every single game? We've seen Rodrigo come off near enough every single game, and we've seen Tyler Roberts come on and, yeah, shore, yeah. It, and shore it up a little bit in the midfield. Yeah. Now, now there's another question there as to why is Tyler Roberts not starting every single game in Marcelo Bielsa's head? Is it because he's you know giving Rodrigo this full shot? Is it is it because you know he doesn't believe Tyler Roberts is good enough to be starting week in week out? That's that's sort of the the the, the sort of um, conclusion I get from it. To be honest. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Tyler Roberts keeps coming on, and he keeps and he has repeatedly been trusted by Bielsa. I, I don't think that he's got that top level finishing ability. I think that's not going to come as a surprise saw, to anyone. We saw that again on, on Honestly, Sunday, didn't we? It was well, myself and Baron. We were sat there and we were just like, oh, Tyler. There wasn't even Tyler. a bend on the ball. There wasn't even a bend. He just, he just. It's like a, a plank straight side footer straight. Yeah. I really, really wanted him to get that because even though the scoreline was what it was, it would have it would have been such a boost for him. But um, 
Yeah, with with Tyler coming on, he's he's come on, he's showed up a bit. He's, I think he he is similar in the sense that he to to a, you know, the rest of the championship promotion squad is in it. He understands the system a lot better. Um, and let's not forget, do you remember the towards the end of last season when Leeds went four or five games unbeaten, and it was it was Robertson and Dallas in the middle, and it was you know there were quite a few games in there that. Uh, that that Leeds played against top top opposition and Robertson Dallas seemed to 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 you know so what, to fare so quite to well. JD, what, why was that not carried on then? Why was why is that not a consistent thing? This is this is the question, isn't it? Why is it suddenly such a big question after going through a, a succession of decent games with those two as a pairing? That is that is the million dollar question. That yeah. is that is the twenty seven million pound question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, do you do you? I mean, Bielsa is not absolutely not the type to feel the burden or the weight of a big money signing and feel like I have to play him. You know, some managers might be, but Bielsa isn't. Like categorically, he does not care about money. You know, I think we saw that with the Daniel James thing. He does not care about how much it costs. If he thinks that that player is going to improve the team, then you know, Victor Orta better get his checkbook out um, or Radrizani. Sorry, um, I think I do think Bielsa envisages. And probably does see in training what Rodrigo is capable of. You know, you don't have a career at the top level being a Champions League and Europa League footballer with international caps if you don't have something about you. Um, so, that's why it's so frustrating, JD. Exactly, yeah, that's an added know, element. You, you just know there is a, a top, top player in there. And you see, even just like you were talking about earlier, I think we spoke about in a previous podcast about his touches against Burnley and just so, how he was able to, to move the ball so quickly, get it down on his chest. And you can see he's such a gifted footballer, but... The system just doesn't seem to be right for him at the, uh, at the minute, which is which is the frustration. It's almost like we, we just can't get the best out of him with where we're playing him. And I think, I think yeah. the, the, the narrative changes completely. If in the Burnley game where he takes it down and he plays in Rafinha and Rafinha's shot is a bit tame, if that goes in, he gets an assist. Right. If in the first minute, first few minutes against Liverpool, if he just puts it to the side of Allison, just put it somewhere else. Yeah. The narrative changes massively, and it's a case of, oh well, Rodrigo's such a good player; he's now growing into that role. But in reality, you know that they are two very, very minute moments. So I think that the narrative is that because he hasn't delivered in terms of goals and assists, and keeps getting substituted, that you know, I, I mean, we're coming back to football being decided on fine margins, and you know, the 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 perception of certain players will always be decided on. You know, that's why you'll always get. Fans who are, you know, very much in support of one player, and then others, uh, other spectators who are, you know, completely against them because people view games completely differently. Um, but yeah, with with Rodrigo, it is it's a it's a conundrum. It's a it's a real question of how to how to get the best out of him because there is there is the best in there. It is, and there's one. You know, of course, you've got to trust in Bielsa because he's the man who's going to get out. out. If there's anybody, it's got it's got to be yeah. Bielsa, hasn't it? But I think it's key now, JD, to, to obviously start talking about Newcastle a little bit more in depth. Um, okay, so and we're talking about the central midfield there with Newcastle. Um, I mean, I don't really know what the the, the the style of play is, the philosophy, the 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 ideology. What 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 on earth goes on with Newcastle? I have no idea if they're a team who plays it out wide. I've no idea if they if they'll try and expose Lee centrally. Do you think it's really going to be as basic as we're going to stick five at the back, soak up the pressure, and try hit them on the counter attack with Saint Maximan? 
Yeah, to put it bluntly, yes, that's what they did against Southampton. Uh, and that is that is the game plan. Um, that will be what Leeds come up against. Uh, there's no Callum Wilson, or there's, it's expected that Callum Wilson won't play, uh, which is a huge, huge benefit because at times, Newcastle do only play with two players, essentially. or two. There are, there are only two players on the pitch who can actually change things. And they are often St. Maximin, who is a fantastic player, and Callum Wilson, who we found out at, at Ellen Road last year, how you know how good he is with his penalty box movement getting that that early goal um but yeah it it will be a case of putting men behind the ball at home to try and stop Leeds from playing because we saw how i mean especially the, the in the Ellen Road game last season we saw how Leeds took them apart really took them to task and kind of showed up that you know in, even going into the final 15 minutes especially uh, just the, the the willingness for Leeds to keep running and Newcastle kind of just sinking back, shrinking further and further towards uh, Martin Dubravka's goal. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which goalkeeper they go with this week because Freddie Woodman obviously had a bit of a bit of a torrid time uh, at, at Old Trafford. Um, so don't know whether Bruce would would, would bring him um, bring in Carl Dollar, who was off who was suffering from COVID quite badly. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that is what what we have to expect is that Leeds will probably dominate the ball. Uh, it's a question of whether the, the there are spaces for Newcastle to exploit on the counter attack because there'll still be Miguel Almiron, there'll still be Joe Linton, there'll still m- maybe maybe uh, he's a doubt uh, apparently. Uh, reading from from the Chronicle today uh, that Joe Willock might be a doubt as well, but they've still got him as well, and they are they are transitional players. They are players who are. You know, straight away, as soon as the counter attack is on, we're going to try and try and hit them uh, on the break, just like they did with uh, Javi Manquillo's goal at the weekend at Old Trafford. But I, th- I still think Leeds will have too much. Mm, it's interesting. Yep, um, we're just going to read a few comments uh, from the section. Let's let's have a read on what Smudge just said. Uh, Klopp goes on the pitch and could easily start a war, but never got uh, but never got booked. Can you explain why this uh, can happen? But he had a big hand in the sending off. Um, yeah, we'll just read a couple of your questions out, guys, before we before we get on with it. Um, Jurgen Klopp, JD. <laughs> I mean. I can see he's been, you know, a lot of people have been upset about him and his reaction and everything like that. Understandably so, you know, the the first priority should probably be your players' uh, welfare. And I think despite the way that it was perceived, I think it probably still was, which might not be the popular opinion. But I think it's a fair comment. But if anybody thinks that Craig Pawson has been influenced by Jurgen Klopp, I think that's... I'd say it's fanciful at best because you know I think, he's, I think it was it was how it, it was how it was on the camera, wasn't it? Well, it was exactly, yeah. But him and then suddenly, that's something yeah. else that people are drawing conclusions from. But, but I'm saying it's very, that's that's good because the fact that it, there's no way that a Premier League referee has turned on his heels and went, yeah, you know what? Really compelling argument, Jurgen. I'm actually going to send him off now. You know, there's there's no way that a Premier League referee does that. He's got he, he's got VAR in his ear. He's got the fourth official who's right in front of it. He's got his 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 assistant referees. You know, he's getting guidance constantly in his earpiece. Uh, so at any point he can get the yeah we've got that's a red card. Yeah, I think you should you should send him off that message in his head, uh, in you know from th- through his earpiece. Um, so. I think while the way that Klopp sort of maybe conducted himself as rankled with a few fans, I think, you know, you're going to, the emotion of the moment probably was, you know, it was, I'm I'm just trying to be careful what I'm saying, to be honest, because it's it's very easy to tread a fine line here. But 
I should we leave it there? It was it was understandable <laughs> to an extent. I think the yellow card for coming onto the pitch, um, one of those where it would have been very odd to see Craig Pawson give a yellow card to Jurgen Klopp for coming onto the pitch when his player's ankle was hanging off um, because, you know, it's it, it's extenuating circumstances. But yeah, I think with the Klopp to be, I think we'll leave it leave it there. Get get quick, fire that next question up. Quick, Connor, quick. <laughs> uh, definitely, yeah. More Newcastle-based uh, uh, questions, sorry. Uh, James said, wouldn't surprise me if Rodrigo, uh, wouldn't surprise me if Rodrigo doesn't score versus Newcastle. Uh, he's had chances and he's low on confidence, so maybe needs one off his bum or just a deflection. It could be start of his season. That's, the thing is, James, I think what we've, what we've both said, me and JD have both said, I, I, I don't think it's a... It's him going forward. I think we, we see his capabilities going forward. I think just the issue is it's, it's that defensive off-the-ball work that is the problem with Rodrigo. And I think that's how I'd, I'd answer that. I still believe if Rodrigo scored against Newcastle, maybe against West Ham, we'd see similar fa- you know, a fan reaction um, with his maybe defensive work. If, if Suchek was the bomb on forward, who knows? Oh God, I'm not looking forward to that. I actually haven't thought about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the tower that that is Suchek and uh, yeah. set pieces should be uh, should be interesting for that game. Yeah, set, set pieces without Pascal Strauch, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, JD, one for you. Uh, how close is Cock from a return? Uh, we we haven't heard actually. Uh, every time we asked in the press conference last week uh, with Bielsa, and he said that he was still still ab- still absent, still out. Uh, didn't elaborate any more on that. Um, I mean, to begin with, we we sort of read into it as sort of being a minor injury but now it's sort of a few games that he's missed so uh, we're wondering what the what the issue is there um obviously he said he had uh injured his pubis uh, which we determined as uh, a pelvic injury um for anyone who's not familiar with the human anatomy um but uh yeah well obviously we're hopeful that it won't be something too too much more further prolonged um because it'd be good to have him back in the team and good to have him back in central defense actually yeah, it feels like his least career has not, not started at all yet, which is such a shame for him. Um, moving back to, uh, I know I've been uh, flip-flopping a little bit here, but moving back to uh, Newcastle, of course. Uh, Steve Bruce, um, the, I don't really know how you describe this, but the, the fans aren't... The fans aren't uh, onside. That enamoured, yeah, yeah, onside, that enamoured with him at this moment in time or have, or have ever been in that camp, to be honest with you. We saw his um, little debacle with with the Chronicle, where it got a little bit heated uh, between Bruce and the newspaper, and it seems like there is a real, real friction in the northeast between uh, the fans and, and 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 Steve Bruce. There, JD, um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think there's friction. I think friction is probably the right word to describe it. Um, it's prickly, to say the least, uh, and I think. For, for for a manager who quite frequently says he's he's thick skinned and he's heard it all, does kind of does does react a little bit more more often than you than you'd suspect. Does kind of bite to things, um, but yeah, it's it's not all's not well in in camp in Newcastle. I think it's fair to say, uh, which is why it's probably one of the better times to to play them this season because we know that they're a streaky team. You know, one of the things where you get with with coaching that is perhaps not on the same level as Marcelo Bielsa is that you are, are wildly inconsistent and you then go on streaks where you lose loads in a row and then you win you win some in a row and you just ride on that momentum. I think Newcastle are a perfect example of that. Um, so for them to be in the midst of a pretty bad run um, is, you know, it's, it's an opportune time to be playing them. But 
with Steve Bruce, I, I, I wonder whether, you know, the, with, I mean, the pressure is building. Last year, when there was pressure, there were no fans in the stadium. This time around, there'll be, you know, 45, 50,000 in there. Who... JD, is that, is, is that an advantage for Leeds on Friday night? Because like you've just said, really interestingly, you just mentioned there, you know, um, and we know Leeds can do this. If we start quickly, you know, if Rafinha's on song, Harrison's on song, um, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Rodrigo, obviously, um, is it, and Leeds go 1-0 up, is that going to be not just an advantage of Leeds taking the lead, but then the crowd turning on Newcastle? I think given the current situation, it, it wouldn't take an awful lot for the for there to be sort of a bit of discontent. I mean, that's that's been the case for quite a while. You know, Newcastle fans are not, as you said, on side with with Steve Bruce. Uh, they they perceive that the the preparation and the you know the work that gets done on the training pitch isn't at the you know the standard that that they hope for. Um, and and as as Artie says there, Mike Ashley is is ultimately. The, the 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 main reason for that but but Bruce is a symptom of the um of of the Ashley regime uh, in in Newcastle fans opinions so it's with with getting an early goal that would kind of it would be pinned to the balloon for Newcastle because while some fans would be looking at it thinking this is a winnable game there'll be other Newcastle fans who who remember the games of last season and go I mean we got taken to task uh, against Leeds, so realistically, what can we expect from this game? But yeah, it, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting because, as I said, Newcastle are a transitional team. If they if they hit Leeds on the counter, they are at the end of the day a Premier League side, and they have the quality to be able to convert on the counter. So yeah, it's um it's one which I'm I'm looking forward to, to say the least. Yeah, because I remember last time there was sort of a not a similar build up because with with Bruce and Newcastle it, it seemingly gets worse every single fixture that goes by, which which Newcastle lose. But um, last time there was there was talk of it of it of it building up really, it hitting a crescendo with with uh, Bruce and, and Newcastle, and and they came out against Leeds, and I think Alan Sent Maximan came on for about thirty minutes, and he yeah. he, was, he was tearing Luke Ailing up. I don't think Luke knew where he was, but just in general. If you look on the balance of play, Newcastle deserved a draw in that game. So I don't know, JD. Just from 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 an op- opposition uh, perspective, is it you know can Newcastle fans really be looking at this and thinking, yeah, it's done. You know, this leads are, leads are far too good for us because you know they were really in that game. Well, no, because of the way Leeds have started the season. I, I think it's it's still not clicked. It's still not gelled completely like the way that we saw last year, which was you know really effective, really efficient. Um, one thing I will say though is that the two Newcastle games that Leeds played last season, Leeds came into them on the back of two defeats in a row and then three defeats in a row, if you count the Crawley game as well, uh, and then obviously put an, put an end to those to those runs by beating Newcastle both times. So there's there's you know there's a suggestion there that you know, Newcastle could be the tonic to to sort of remedy Leeds's slow start or awkward start to the to the campaign. Yep, um, Artie, Tomo, Thompson, guys. If you are listening on, uh, if you are listening on Spotify, if you are listening on Apple, then you know you can always get involved in the Facebook lives. We are going to be streaming the blue, white, and yellow on Facebook uh, every time, every every single uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. So make sure you tune in, like like all these guys are doing, and you can get your questions read out. Um, Artie, Tomo, Thompson says, if we lose to Newcastle on Friday, do you guys think it's time to worry? Do you want to go first on that one, Connor? <laughs> yes, uh, I will go first on that one. Um, I, I, no, not in terms of worrying. 
I would be a little bit anxious about what's coming up. Uh, you know, if we were to lose to Newcastle in that hypothetical, hypothetical uh, scenario, which, uh, you know, touch wood doesn't happen, I, I would then look at, you know, the, the West Ham game and I would think that's going to be a really tricky task. We've obviously, we've obviously got Fulham away in the cup, which you would expect a, a rotated team and and obviously London's never very kind to Leeds United. And once again, I'm, I'm giving hypothetical situations back to a hypothetical hypothetical situation but um that that could then lead itself into you know as i've said before a succession of games where leeds haven't got a win and and as you and Berum were saying at the weekend jd you know the worst thing you want to do in the or you can do in the premier league is to get into a rut so i would be a little bit anxious on, on that stand stance of it because I'd, I'd maybe worry where the where the win is coming from but overall at this moment in time i wouldn't naturally say I'm worried but ask me again on Friday night if we were to lose yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's a must win game but I'd say it's a must what's the how do you phrase this must not lose no no it must be a good performance I think it's so early in the season that even a defeat is not utterly damaging because in any 90 minute game you know, things can go your way. Things can go against you, which are completely undeserved. Yeah, so I, I, I agree, JD. If we were to, if we were to absolutely maul them, um, yeah. and, and we would lose one nil, then at least you could turn around and say, well, there were so many positives there, and it's so early on that we can make the corrections. Exactly. Yeah, but I think further further down the line, you know, you get to that. The, if you're looking at the fixture list, you get to December. December's looking pretty tough. Um, so you want to get points on the board as quickly as possible. So obviously. The idea is to get three points at St James's Park on Friday, but um, it's not sort of it's not reaching for the panic button if if three points do not come back down the A one. Put it that way. Hundred percent right, mate. We'll leave it on that, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna everybody in the comment section below um, get your get your score predictions in. What do you think? Leeds versus Newcastle, Newcastle versus Leeds. Sorry, St James's Park Friday night, massive game. It'll be a great atmosphere. Um, but JD, what's your score prediction, mate? Uh, my prediction is for. No, I thought you just went. I thought you went four. I like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, my prediction is for quite a few uh, Leeds fans to forget how high the away end is at St James's Park, <laughs> um, and to to maybe maybe take a, a pit stop on the stairs because uh, it is far. Um, but I think my prediction is going to be Newcastle one, Leeds three. Kickstart the season. That'd be, yeah, that'd be lovely. Um, quick spoiler, that's also what Lee Ryder has predicted. Um, yeah, I, I am going to go with a, a tight... I'm gonna, I think it's going to be a really similar game to last year. I think Leeds are going to start quick, get the early goals, and I think they'll come into it a little bit more uh, with the roar of the crowd. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Leeds win. We've got James saying 2-2, Smudger says 3-0, Raymond says 3-1. I presume uh, these scores are the wrong way around, I would hope. Um, but there we go uh, so yeah we're going to leave it as uh, that guys um, everybody in the comment section below you will be able to uh, hear the Lee Ryder opposition preview if you tune into the podcast uh, later on this evening and everybody who's uh, who's listening now on the podcast uh, I will hand you over to Lee Ryder but J- JD thanks so much for joining me mate So I'm here with Newcastle writer for the Chronicle, Lee Ryder. Uh, Lee, thank you so much for joining us here on the Blue, White and Yellow podcast. Um, first of all, mate, it's not been a it's not been a great start for both clubs, has it? No, it hasn't. Uh, I'm quite surprised actually by where Leeds are on the table. I didn't. I genuinely didn't think they'd be down there. I had a great a great season last year. 
obviously it's a bit of a revolution that's going on at Elland Road. So I am a bit surprised by it, but uh, knowing the manager, how meticulous he is, uh, I don't expect it to last much longer. And, you know, having watched Newcastle play in these first four games, you know, this is a it's an opportunity for Leeds to do something about it because Newcastle just seem to be uh, nosediving towards the bottom of the table at the moment. Yeah, has it been that bad league? Because obviously we've not we won't have kept tabs on Newcastle our end. With with Leeds, it's the performances have definitely dipped, definitely dipped from last season. Whether or not it's the, the high intensity, which is eventually getting to the Leeds United players after nearly four years of, of playing in the system, whether or not it's just, you know, the, the the evolution of the Premier League, which which maybe Leeds haven't started moving moving with at this moment in time. What what's it been from the Newcastle side? Is it just a continued continuous downward spiral? Defensively, they've just had massive problems. Uh, the game against West Ham, they were two one up at half time, and then second half they they come out after the break and uh, you know conceded three goals in the space of about fifteen minutes or something stupid like that. And Aston Villa away again, defensive problems, and then threw away the lead in stoppage time against Southampton. We all. We all expected to get beat at Man United. We always get beat down there. There's no doubt about that. Same. <laughs> uh, you know, you can't judge your team on that. But the first three games, very disappointing. But it's it's been the defence that's the, the big issue and uh, something they need to address pretty quickly. Is it fair to say for both clubs uh, this, this Friday night, Lee? It might be a bit early, but in your opinion, is it sort of a must-not-lose for Newcastle? Yeah, I, I said earlier in the week, we've obviously do our, our podcasts over the Chronicle and uh, I said, you know, a draw isn't a bad result in this one. As, as, as bad as the table looks, Steve Bruce would love, he would privately, he'll say it, he would take it in on a draw because it stops a rot, it gives you a clean sheet, gives you something to build on. Uh, and that's that's how that game could pan out for him and I'm sure he wouldn't complain if it did. But by the same token, there's pressure from the fans, uh, not not caused by us, I hasten to add. Uh, and really, if the team go a goal behind, then Steve Bruce, you know, is, is probably going to get some criticism from the terraces. It, it happened in the last game against Southampton. It happened at Man United when the possibility of getting a result drifted away. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough night and. Uh, you wonder where, if they don't get something from this game, you wonder where the next win's coming from, really, because they've then got Wolves and Watford away, and normally they would be less daunting fixtures, but the reality is, when the pressure's mounting, uh, it just gives every other team an opportunity, and it's it's certainly an opportunity for Leeds United on, on Friday night. Yeah, I think the big thing I'm looking at, to be honest, Lee, is when I'm looking at this game, it, it, the crowd's going to play a massive factor, isn't it? I mean, if Leeds are able to get the first goal you sort of expecting a little bit of a, a volatile atmosphere at St James's Park with with regards to Steve Bruce and everything that's going on. Yeah, well, it's it's certainly not going to help Steve Bruce. Uh, the, the players know the atmosphere isn't good at the moment. Uh, it's be it's been worse, but uh, at the minute you just wonder uh, if this is kind of the end of the end of the tether for a lot of supporters. Uh, it's a Friday night game, so it always adds something to it. We played under the floodlights. 
it's live on Sky. It's it's got all the makings of a bit of a horror show for Newcastle. Unfortunately, you know I want Newcastle to win. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it makes my life a lot easier. But at the end of the day, uh, they're not playing like a team that can to, can go in against Leeds and get three points. So. Yeah, that, that is a big concern. Newcastle style of play, Lee. Um, obviously, with a lot of a lot of what Leeds United do is out wide. We're very very fluid and quick out wide. I think that's sort of well documented. What what is Newcastle's style of play? Is it is it sort of predominantly through the middle? Do you play on the flanks? Is it is it sort of relying on set pieces? What can can Leeds expect? Uh, are they going to try exploit certain elements of Leeds United's game on Friday night? Yeah, we play like an away team at our home stadium. I was saying and really. You need to uh, get on the front foot, especially in front of our fans. And uh, sadly, they haven't been able to do that. Uh, they do tend to, even against Southampton, Southampton hadn't won for oh unbelievable amount of time, 30, 30 games or something on the road they hadn't won. And uh, Newcastle just sat back and soaked it up. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a great situation. And... I'm sure uh, the Leeds manager will be will be looking at this and wondering maybe he will just pile everybody forward in the first 20 minutes, try and get what would be an unassailable lead. If they can get a 2-0 lead early in the game, I think Newcastle pretty much throw the towel in. Yeah, I think the the interesting one about this, Lee, is going to be obviously because Leeds are without Pascal Strout now. Uh, Diego Llorente was taken off injured and uh, Robin Koch, our other centre-back, is is also injured. So Leeds are quite threadbare at this moment in time when it comes to centra- central defenders. So it's going to have to be square pegs, round holes against, uh, again for Leeds United, which can be a little bit of a problem, to be honest. We know Marcelo Bielsa loves versatility, but sometimes it does expose players' weaknesses massively. Um, in the last two games... It's quite interesting because, you know, the first game, obviously I remember watching Ellen Road and Newcastle had sort of the first 10 to 15 minutes, I thought. Obviously, they, they, they went in the lead, then Leeds came back and obviously the, there was that mad 10 minutes towards the end. It ended 5-2, but the last, the, the game after that, Lee, that was obviously St. James's Park. It was, a, it was a much closer affair, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I think at that time, um, I think by that time we had, uh, Graham Jones had come in as coach and started to tighten things up a little bit. Uh, but the game at, uh, at Ellen Road was, was you know, who knows? If, they, if Newcastle continue to defend like they do, you could see a similar scoreline on Friday night because if uh, Leeds, all right, Leeds might have problems at the back, but as long as they're okay going forward, then there's a chance to exploit a very, very uneasy defence at the moment at Newcastle. They play five at the back. They don't look comfortable. Uh, full-backs going forward, but not brilliant at defending because they're not really natural defenders. Um, Matt Ritchie is a, is very much a, a winger, but he's being used as a wing-back. And it's just not... The balance isn't quite there at the moment. So you wonder... Uh, who plays at right wing back? Uh, Javier Manquillo done it the other day. Did very well going forward, but you know, defensively, he was there to be tested. And uh, I just think Newcastle defensively have got uh, a, a very. Um, they're going to give Leeds an opportunity to have a go at them, and uh, that that's always going to be a worry if you're a Newcastle fan. Lee. 
uh, in about the 70th minute, I think it was last time at St. James's Park, was the introduction of Alan St. Maximan. And I think he twisted Luke Ayling in about several, you know, several different positions. I don't think he knew what was going on for about 10 minutes. He is a he's a fantastic player. He's a big problem. And um, how do you go about stopping him? Well, I mean, it's it, it's okay running defenders. It really is, but it's got to be about final product. Uh, is that the problem, it, Lee? With him, is that the problem? Yeah, it's, look, he, he has he's created goals this season. He got an assist at the weekend. Uh, he got you know you talk about twisting players inside out. Declan Rice well, didn't know which way he was going against West Ham for that opening goal. And but it's about producing that on a regular basis. And uh, look, he's a fantastic talent. Newcastle sadly just haven't got the players on the same wavelength uh, around them. You know, you, you you sign a player like that and you want two or three quality players to come in alongside them. Sadly, they haven't. They they're not quite there yet. They haven't had. They haven't had a good transfer window, and uh, Steve Bruce hasn't had much money to spend. And it's yeah, it's a bit of a mess at the minute. I'm going to press you. I do this every week. <laughs> I'm going to press you for a score, Lee. Uh, so, obviously, Newcastle versus Leeds, Friday night, St. James's Park. What are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, um, I have to be honest with you, and I've probably got it from a Newcastle point of view, it's probably going to be a bit of a gloomy forecast. Uh, I think Leeds will turn up, and as I say, they'll, be, they'll feel wounded from that Liverpool game. Uh, I think they're capable of getting two or three goals themselves. I think Newcastle... Are, are capable of getting one, but they can't defend. But yeah, I can see it being, uh, you know, two or three one Leeds United, unfortunately. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Blue, White and Yellow podcast. If you wouldn't mind giving us a follow on all of our social medias, we welcome all of your feedback. Check out our website and sign up to our free daily newsletter. We'll be back next week at the same time, hopefully gushing over a Newcastle win. Have a good rest of the week. We'll catch you later, guys. Cheers. <laughs>